This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take command instant reaction show. I am Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. And um, Logan, that was not good. Um, <laughs> no. that, was, that was definitively bad. Um, we do not like it. Uh, 31-19, the final score of what I think is the worst loss of the Ron Rivera era. And that's saying something. They've had some bad losses. Yeah. But, you know, we've talked about how this Giants team was uh, was not very good. Um, Tommy DeVito's their starter. He's a third-string quarterback. Yeah. Uh, they really only have Saquon Barkley as a, um, as, a, as a threat. And Barkley does a lot of damage today. Mm-hmm. Defense can't get stops. And then, obviously, there is a huge turnover problem. That right. probably is the biggest story of the game. Yeah, for me, it's the turnovers, obviously. And I think it's it's uh, it's disappointing. You know, it's a disappointing outcome. I think, you know, if you listen to the pregame show, you listen to the preview pod, I think, you know, fans understand kind of how we felt about this matchup going into this game. And I think, you know, looking at what Wink Martindale did defensively, I think he deserves a lot of credit. You know, he did a good job of kind of – presenting this expectation of he's going to pressure a lot didn't pressure as much as he'd done in the first matchup through the first two and a half quarters and then kind of what he had to have it, he brought pressure in some really well-designed scheme pressures that forced sam kind of into an uncomfortable situation and he put the ball in harm's way and i got the sense just from watching you know that um sam was kind of pressing for stuff that he didn't need to press for and that leads, leads to turnovers and um you know disappointing outcome to say the least so yeah. Um, I mean, the turnovers are the big deal. So let's let's just try to make sense of it. I don't sure. know if there's like I don't know if there's anything to make sense of. Like yeah. you, they fumbled the football multiple times and you have to hold on to it. Um, is that a kind of thing that can be like a technique issue that you can circle back to coaching or like is it a player just like, hey, man, 
hold on to the ball. Right. Like I, I, the analysis, I feel like on fumbles can't be that deep. But I mean, it also is extremely important to to talk about because there's three of them in the game, and then we can talk about Sam's interceptions as well. Yeah, I felt like the fumbles to me were like effort fumbles. I felt like there was a little bit of um, kind of anxiety, you know, when yeah. the guys got the ball, like they're trying a little bit extra, trying to get that extra yard. Uh, the one with Chris Rodriguez specifically sticks out to me. Breaks a tackle, breaks another tackle. It's kind of going to the ground. Ball comes out. Yeah, the B-Rob's that that the Commanders recovered correct. was the same way. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think Pringles was a lot like that. He gets a little bit of grass in there on the kickoff return, and the ball comes out because he's fighting for extra yards. And I do think when guys start to press, when guys start to play outside of themselves a little bit, that's the result. Is the first thing to go is ball security. So on all three of those fumbles that we just mentioned, um, you know, that was the thing that stuck out to me is like they were just over trying and i think the interceptions are kind of the same way for sam yeah sometimes just take what's there and i just felt like there was a lot of anxiety around the team in this game that uh, i wasn't expecting to see and you could tell that as the game went on everyone got a little bit more anxious everyone kind of like i need to make a play i need to do something spectacular and um this was the result you know it was just guys not taking care of the football at a good enough level and I don't care who you are, man. Like, I, I really think the defense did some interesting stuff in this game from a pressure standpoint. Nine sacks, they obviously. Had nine sacks, so. And they, they did some good stuff, you know, outside of the explosive plays. But you can't just give any offense six extra bites at the apple in short field situations. It's just not good football, like, on, on any level. So, like, as much as we want to sit here and analyze, it's got to take care of the ball. Got to take care of the ball. Yeah. Doesn't matter who you're playing. Uh, ball, ball security is job security. So I know everyone wants us to torch the defense, but at the end of the day, it's not 31 on the defense. You have to pick six by Simmons at the end. Yeah. And just said six extra possessions yeah. for the Giants. I mean, that's absurd to try to ask a defense that we know is short staffed. Like, in some ways, the excuse for the defense is we already know they're not very good. Yeah. And, you know, that is not like instead of just being like, they suck. Like, I want you to listen to the words that are coming out of my <laughs> mouth. They're not very good. Right. But we know that going in. That is a known commodity. And again, it is something that Rivera talked about this week. And you know, part of the reason that in his words, his job is on shaky ground. It is why it is very likely Jack Del Rio. I mean, almost certainly. Let's be let's be uh, adults about this. Almost certainly Jack Del Rio's last year here in Washington. And they're going to have to answer that at the end of the season. But if you're trying to win games now, you have to win them within the contract offered. And not taking care of the football is the biggest reason right. why that happens today. And I think the pressing comes from it felt like an offense that couldn't find a rhythm. And 100%. I think it's hard to, to kind of separate the chicken from the egg here. Do they press because they turn it over? They turn it over on their first two drives. 100%. Right. So are they pressing because they turn the football over? Or are they turning the football over because they're pressing and it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy and they can't ever get out of the, the hell loop? I, d I definitely think it's a little bit of both. And I've been on teams where this is the thing is you, you're, you're, you know the stakes of the game. You know you should win the game and you are down and you don't have the maturity as a team. And that's nobody's fault. You know, they got a young quarterback, all those different things. You don't have the maturity to kind of say, hey, man, take a breath. We, we are mature football players. We've been in this situation before. It's like, uh, Junk suppose this game to the Philadelphia game and right. what Philadelphia did when they were down in both games. When they're down, they have two turnovers. There's never a moment of panic or stress or strain. Like that's a mature, well-coached, well-designed football team. And this was not that. I think you see a lot of kind of the youth here, a lot of the inexperience, and this was the result. And as much as you know, we want to kind of get on the defense. They had nine sacks. They had zero. They held the, the Giants to zero yard rushing through three quarters. Yeah. And then they have that explosive run. And I just felt like there was a, there was a, I, and I've been, I've been on teams like this too, where the offense isn't doing what they're supposed to do. And there's like a moral, like a, 
like a letdown. You can almost feel the air go out of the yep. defense. The dam breaks. Yes, and I, I thought that's like exactly what happened in that situation on that long Saquon Barkley run. So as much as you know, we can be critical of the defense, be critical of what they did today. To me, and again, I always kind of lean this way. And I don't know. Sure. I know Sam Howell is a young football player, but this is an offensive loss. You know, you can't turn the football over. Hundred like percent. Uh, and five of them, of course, on offense. One, the yes. one on special teams with Pringle uh, from an offensive player, uh, if you will, as the wide receiver. But yeah, I mean, and and this is, I would say, though, the difference in good and bad teams is good teams play four quarters worth, and bad teams can. It's not like bad teams can't compete at all. Bad teams are good for two and a half, three right. quarters, and and then at the end they can't put it together, and or bad units in this particular case with the defense, and this is kind of who they have been. But even then, I mean, I don't know the big plays late that that's a killer, and yep. I think it's it's hard because that has been consistent, and they can't stop it, right. and that's that's the thing where it's just like. I don't know what you try at this point. I asked Rivera about that. I'm sure yeah. you heard me ask that post game. It was the last question of Rivera's press conference. And I asked him like, how do you try to put together a plan when there's no consistent execution? And I wasn't specific offense or defense. And he was just kind of like, you know, there's a lot of things you think about. And the inconsistency is one of them, which is basically an admission that like, yes, I can't say uh, much more than what you said, but yeah. you're onto something there. Um, but then I think there's again like the chicken or the egg thing mm -hmm. of, and this to me is more a, a talk about the offense specifically to this game. Um, are they inconsistent because the coaches are not optimizing the positions of success? And that is that's hard to decipher, right? Because yeah. you do have a team full of average-ish level players in a lot of spots, and that means you're going to have some good and you're going to have some bad. But you also have a coaching staff that has not optimized any of this and. Thus, are they uncomfortable? Are they not confident in what they're doing? Is the up and down play because they're not consistently put in positions to succeed? It is a mix of both. It's unknowable. The changes play by play on on some of this stuff, um, but defensively, it doesn't it doesn't seem like there even is a possible solution because um, like I don't know what it is, and that was you know if, if we had more time to talk to Ron and he was in a chattier mood, I honestly I he looked like uh, he looked like he wanted to cry in that dude, press conference. I mean, that's a uh... I would have given a little, uh, that's the last place I would want to be if I was him. Yeah. In front of those guys talking and answering those questions. That's And that's part of the gig and that's part of the job, but that's a tough, that's a tough game to come out of. I mean, he's not a dummy. He knows exactly what the situation is there. And um, he knows that that wasn't good enough. And it's, it's so tough, I think for us as well, because we are fans of this team. We want to cover good football. We want to cover yes. a win more than anything, because like that's, we, we root for these guys and, you know, in some ways I root for Ron and it's tough, man. It's tough to see him like that. It's tough to see that the team perform that way. And um, it's really, really hard. And again, it's there's not like a definitive answer like that. Giants team is not as good as this team. Yeah. Like the, the commander should have won that game. And, and there's not a lot of you can't do anything to convince me otherwise, really. You know, they played well today and they deserved the win. I thought Wink called an excellent game. He deserves a ton of credit. thought uh, Tommy DeVito did a great job in terms of kind of handling the adversity early. And I thought Kafka did a good job of calling plays and finding explosive opportunities for him that are kind of like layups. You know, it's they run a leak. They run a they, yep. they run, basically run the leak twice out of different formations with different personnel. Yeah, they run a fullback one and then they get the receiver on the other one. 100%. And that's good coaching. It's saying this worked for us. How many ways can we get this in to win this freaking football game? And that's what they did. So as much as, uh, you know, I, I just don't know what to say, really, other than that, it's the turnovers, it's the explosive plays, it's the lack of consistency with this group. And I know that's what Ron said, but that's what it's been. 
Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. No, it's it's the truth. I mean, there is no other way around it. Um, on offense, so I talked to a couple guys, like no mics, no cameras, no nothing yeah. after the game, and you know, you ask them how they felt, and I think some of the the things that come up about the offense in this game is um, they like the Giants played very differently than they did the first time, mm-hmm. and I think, so. think that there is a bit of a feeling that they did not take advantage of the opportunities there. I mean, that's not exactly like I don't need to be coy about that duh we watched what happened out there like they did not take advantage of the opportunities uh that were there but the reasons why seem to be like hey like they played a lot more zone and like we know how to beat zone but we didn't do the stuff that we need to do to beat zone um you know there wasn't as much pressure we didn't adapt and i think the thing that that is sometimes frustrating to me in this game certainly it comes to to be with eric Bieniemy and the way he calls a game is when he can get into that rhythm of the thing he likes, right? Mm-hmm. And this is true for any play caller, mm-hmm. right? I think the great ones are the the ones who can overcome this, mm-hmm. right? But you go into a, a week with a plan, and it's like this is the plan. We feel good about it. You know that's why that's why it's the plan, right? You don't go into the week being like, oh, I don't know, maybe it'll work. Like you go in with yeah. a, a plan that you like, and if it works, like he can get into a rhythm and a groove, and like it cooks, and you're like, this is the best offense yeah. I've ever seen. But when it's not that, and you can't find that thing that is working for you where they shut down the thing that you thought was going to work. You have to be able to adjust and get to the next thing. And I don't think they have done a good job all year long of getting to the next thing. And that is why this offense at times looks phenomenal and other times looks like it looked today. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really hard. And I think it's important to remember that he's a first time play caller and they're going to have some of these adversities. And, you know, in, in my play calling experience, which is very, very limited, the thing that comes out is you have a plan in the week and everything you read about calling plays is you want to make sure that you are designing an offensive game plan in the week. You're going to do your best work on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You don't want to be doing stuff on the sideline, in the dirt, on the sand. And so you go in and you say, man, I'm having this great plan for this coverage that they run, whatever. And they augment that. So it's important to kind of say, like, as a play caller, this is what I think they're going to do. This is what happens if they deviate. This is what they do if they play zone, right? Or like in, the, in this game example, we are going in to beat man coverage and pressure looks. If they don't bring that, what happens? If they play more zone, what are we going to do? And I should have five to ten plays on the back burner that we've discussed that I can get to. And I think that's kind of what you're alluding to is just what is the process when it doesn't go right. exactly quick, the way you it's want. It's very clear quick game is what they want to do 100%. today, right? Mm-hmm. It's not there. The Giants zoned it up. They they had guys underneath to play those coverages, um, and it wasn't there. Like, how do you get it's to so, it's, I, the shots? How do you get to whatever it is that are the other solutions for the types of coverages that they've thrown at you? Once you also realize, 
oh my God, Wink Martindale is actually not coming with immense amounts of pressure yeah. and he's being way more selected. How do we take advantage of that thing? I think that's that's where a more mature play caller like has an advantage, right? Because it's like, oh, hey, well, we, we installed this, but we can easily augment what we did here to kind of match this zone. Hey, and I think that's that's something you're probably kicking yourself a little bit out of. You're, you're so dialed in on saying, this is what Wink Martindale is going to do. Man, pressure. And so you over prep that. And you forget this other stuff in your offense. You forget the five steps. You forget the shot plays because you're like, well, we got to get him out of this. For, and then he comes out and he does something completely different. And you spent so much time in the week coaching for X that you have nothing for Y. And I've been a part of teams where that's happened. Yeah. And it's devastating because you literally have nothing. There's like nothing you can go to that you feel comfortable going to. And with smart teams that have been in the offense for a while, you can. It's easy. You say, oh, hey, we're just going to run what we did last week. See these four or five plays? You remember these? Let's get these called. But with teams that aren't that experienced offensively, new offensive scheme, new personnel at a lot of spots, it, it's really hard, especially with a young quarterback. So um, it seems like, again, I give credit to Wink Martindale and the Giants. They deserve that credit. They came out and they said, we are going to subvert expectations and we are going to throw a monkey wrench in the plan. And it's not like they didn't bring pressure. They were much more selective about when they brought pressure. And the pressure they brought was great. And Dexter Lawrence was a problem all day for this offensive line. And it's just, I think this is one of the byproducts of having a first-year play caller, independent of everybody else. And so, um, again, credit to Wink Martindale. And this is this is tough. I, I wish I had a better answer, Craig, for your question. But yeah. it's This does happen. And this is the feeling you get after a performance like that. Let's talk about how, because yeah. um, this is his worst performance in a couple of weeks, and mm -hmm. every every game is a referendum of some kind <laughs> on him. So um, again, it's another data point. We have more data points now than we did last week. That is how this goes. Mm -hmm. What did you make of his day? I think that you saw the youth of the player, right? I think this is one of the things that happens with a young quarterback is they don't have all that information in the CPU. The offense doesn't have all the solutions for you. And when the game plan's not perfect, how do you handle it? And I feel like that's kind of what you saw today a little bit. And this is something to expect with a young player. It's what you expect with a young play caller, um, you know, like an offensive coordinator this young or relatively young in terms of his experience. Sure. Same thing with Sam Howell, who's a rookie, basically the way I would define him kind of in his first year of full-time He's still starting. within his first season's worth of starts. Yeah, and I think um, this is this is one of the byproducts of that, uh, unfortunately, is, is Wink, again, came out, said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to subvert expectations. And they were just totally befuddled. We're throwing picks. We're th and again, it's not even, it's one pick, but I think it's the fumble, the fumbles later also. That adds a level of pressure and a level of urgency. And we talked about this in the pregame show. It's, we, we, we said game flow has to favor Washington. And for whatever reason, for the second time this year, the game flow favored New York. And they were able to dictate that. And I think that's so important to understand as a fan is that if this game, if we if we had gone out and scored a touchdown early or two touchdowns early, like this is a walk in the park. We win this game with our eyes closed. But because there's a little bit of pressure on Sam, there's a there's a forced adaptation that has to happen offensively. It leads to this mixed result, which is very, very frustrating. Yeah, I think the first pick to Diami, I asked him about it after the game, and he's like, I think it was the right decision. I just I made a bad throw. Yeah. And that happens, especially mm -hmm. on deep balls. Yep. Um and the other two picks, like the second pick is an arm punt. It's a third and 10. Mm -hmm. Like it's not optimal. And it's, with that game situation, maybe you'd prefer him to just, I don't know, take a sack, but What's like run, can you run out of down. It's third and 10 there. It's like what it's quarter was it? fourth quarter. Okay. Um, you know, they're down, but it's still a game. Like, yeah. can you, can you maybe get into go for it range? Probably mm -hmm. not. They were still, I think they were minus territory. So, but at the end of the day, like that's an arm punt. That's not the worst pick he's ever going to throw far from it. Um, and then the last one, like that's, that's not a good play, but 
he knows if he takes a sack there, then the game's all over. but over. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a tough spot, but you gotta like he said he was trying to throw it away. I actually wonder from your perspective as a as a former tight end slash receiver, like if I'm Sam somewhere deep in my soul, I'm like, Logan, can you at least break yeah, it up, bro? Like up. I Probably. didn't seem it didn't seem like he was Logan Thomas was super locked in on exactly the what was going on with his quarterback. You know, yeah. his eyes were on his route and whatever he was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. But um that's obviously like if you're throwing that away like you can't leave it in the field to play it looked like he was trying to throw it out to logan and make a a hero play and uh it it went as anti-hero as you could possibly go (laughs) so at at the end of it like the the turnovers to me are obviously hugely detrimental i think think it's the turnovers combined with well i was gonna say they're actually like the other stuff that is almost i would say more concerning but like is more detrimental to their chances to win than the turnovers themselves Mm -hmm. based off situations it's just kind of how uncomfortable he looked and and it's not all on him you know i think the offensive line like dexter lawrence again had a monster game yep like really did a fantastic job Kayvon thibodeau i thought Again, the way they ran their line stunts and the way they pick for each other and the way they get free runners to the quarterback without necessarily bringing pressure, I thought they did a great job of that today. Um, and it disrupted Sam. They, they, they just were very disruptive, down and in, down out, and Sam never looked comfortable. And yeah. I think that's the thing that's probably more di- more distinct in my mind is that he never got comfortable. He never got to see the version of Sam in the in the fourth quarter of the Seattle game or the guy that kind of puts the cape on and says, hey, I can handle this, handle whatever you're throwing at me. He never kind of got a bead on what was happening. And I think that was the frustrating thing from his performance today. And again, he's a young player and I'm not trying to be overly critical of him. This is more of just an observation. Like, right. This and some of that we might wind up watching the tape and be like, well, it's because the O-line did a bad job of yeah. protecting and, him. And like, we, that's not a signing blame. It's just saying like Sam was never comfortable come back Tuesday for the reason why. Yeah, and I think in my gut, I think I'm, I probably agree with you. I think the offensive line probably didn't play as well as they could have. Um, yeah. I but, mean, for instance, like you say, why why do the Giants have such success against yeah. the Commanders? Like, Kayvon Thibodeau is a terrible matchup for Charles Leno. We have yeah. enough data at this point. Yeah. Charles Leno's a good football player. If he sees five in blue, he does not, like, it's just not a good yeah. day at the office for him. Yeah. The, and, the speed and bendiness is a, is an issue for him. And some of those weren't even on Leno. Like, he's yeah. looping in the A-gap. He's and, sure. and again, like Dexter Lawrence picking Chris Paul and um, Tyler Larson's kind of yeah. squeezing it down and, and he loops all the way around for a pressure. And like, that's good stuff. That's good ball. That's good timing. That's working and attacking protection scheme, which is what Wink does. Yeah. So, um, yeah, man, it's just like there's so much like weight and heaviness on this game. It's hard to kind of give good analysis. And I think the all 22 will kind of give you more of these answers that you're looking for. But sure. <laughs> turnovers, Sam never got comfortable. It's, it's really the turnovers. I mean, that's the first and foremost thing. Yeah. Right. It's like above all else. I mean, I don't know how you kind of say anything else. What's no, the issue? you turn the ball over six times like. I don't know how many teams have won with six or more turnovers in NFL history, but it can't be many. Yeah. And so you turn the football over a ton. Sam never gets comfortable. And again, I go back to the game flow. I thought the defense did enough good stuff early that the game flow should have been different. And then you mentioned the dam breaking, and that's exactly what happened. And then you get down two scores, and based on how you've been playing offensively, I know mathematically you still have time to score two touchdowns, but it just seems very unlikely because you haven't done anything to kind of give you give me confidence as an analyst and a fan of the team that that's going to happen. So it was kind of all those things working together. And it was, you know, we talked about this on a pregame show. It was literally the perfect storm of like what New York needed to do yeah. to win this game. It had to be a, I think you said like it's, it, they got to thread the needle. It's about this big and, and they, they found that. It, it's, exa- it's exactly what we talked about. Explosive plays on offense, turnovers on defense, and then managing game flow. And they, they did bang, it. Bang, bang, bang. They did it about as perfectly as you could have done it. And we obviously, the commanders helped them out a little bit. So, uh, last thing that I want to talk about real quick, because we've talked about this quite a bit. Uh, and it's some, uh, it just 
truthfully, uh, I feel like we've been at the center of some of this conversation, the run past stuff um, in in the commander's talk universe. Our conversations wind up getting referenced a lot with this. Um, They ran the ball more today than they have. Mm -hmm. Um, They ran it effectively. They did a great job with it. Um, And I just, it, it, felt though like it was actually too much and i know i've been saying like <laughs> that, but like this is the thing that i think like bugs me is like yeah. if the sweet spot is like 67 or like 63 37 or something mm-hmm. like that it's either 60 30 or 25 75 or it's like 55 45 mm-hmm. and i think part of the rhythm with sam is and, and some of the shots and things it's like they never really were able to take that success they had running the ball and then turn it into the play action stuff and the shot plays mm-hmm. and the explosives that you're really trying to set up with that. It's not necessarily, and this, this is what we've always talked about. It's not necessarily about just running the ball. It's about establishing the threat of the run. So the defense has to respect it. And then you can open up the entire playbook. And the fact that they never got to the rest of the stuff, I think is really frustrating because they were so successful running it. Yeah. I think two things there one, I think you see a higher frequency of running the football because they didn't really have a good answer for the zone stuff. Like in the game mm-hmm. plan from a passing standpoint, so you're going to lean on that a little bit more because that's been, that's which that's, if they're playing a bunch of cover too, like that's a good that's, that's a good plan, that's I, a good answer. I'm not being critical of that. I'm just saying like that's yeah. one of the reasons you do that. Another thing is like the play action game here is not overly meshed. You know what I'm saying? It's not like with Kyle or Detroit or name your run first. Baltimore is another great example. It doesn't mesh the same way. It's more of a token fake in the backfield to kind of hold the linebackers for a second. It doesn't get this strong pull or the gravity that, you know, other kind of run games have. And I, I would be really curious, and there's no way of knowing this, of, of what exactly formations they have that have, um, you know, strong play action looks out of that they're running the football out of also you know because prior to this week it was uh, anytime alex arma was in yeah it was going to be a shot play so he's not in so what runs do you have because it's not only the runs but it's also the protections off those runs and i think that's what people forget a lot i had a conversation with somebody recently and it was like if you're not running outside zone it's really hard to run gap schemes into play action pass looks because you are taking a puller away from let's say the offensive left and you're putting yourself a man short there. Right. And you're having everyone block back a gap. So let's say that's been our most, the team's probably most prevalent run is counter, uh, pop, single back power, and any type of GT. You, those aren't great play action pass pros, usually, right? right? So it, it makes it hard to kind of make that stuff work. So you did some outside zone stuff today, but you don't get to the play action pass look. Do you have a, a formation that meshes there, or is there a crossover there? And I would say, it didn't seem that way because I feel like you would have called it and probably taken a shot with that. So, yeah. and it's something again we can kind of d- dive more uh, deeply into um, with the film. But my gut tells me that they probably didn't have a lot of crossover there for sure. All right, so here's our plan for the rest of the week. We will do our film breakdown as usual Tuesday morning. However, instead of making you wait for it until Wednesday. We're just going to put it out. So Tuesday morning with a short week, uh, keep your eye out for the film breakdown. Then Wednesday, Cowboys preview. Uh, Thursday, we'll be enjoying the game and Turkey and our families and the whole deal. So no instant reaction show, but we'll do kind of an instant reaction show style Mm. on Friday morning and then full breakdown back on regular schedule next week. So that is what you'll get from us. Make sure you're subscribed, whether you're a YouTuber uh, on the Team 980 or at 106.7 The Fan. Uh, The Fan, obviously, for the full episodes and the clips of the film review, etc. Or if you are listening to this uh, on your favorite podcast app, subscribe there. That way you do not miss an episode and you don't have to go hunting for it. Uh, For Logan Paulson, I'm Craig Hoffman here at FedEx Field. Commander's a disappointing one. I'll see you all on the radio to talk about it tomorrow.